Uh, my name's Kelly, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, congratulations for not believing that the rain melts you for some reason. You did it. Well done. Uh, I just want to say, before I get into my sermon this morning, um, man, we're, if, if you're kind of new with us, we're not the like uh, polished, shiny, uh, production uh, kind of church. Uh, you know, I mean, I love, I don't really love it. Loves, that's, that's a pastor exaggeration. Um, but, you know, I mean, Isaiah breaks a string today in, in uh, worship, and then Gilbert goes, I don't know how he has a guitar in his car, <laughs> runs to his car, go gets a guitar, car, guitar, rhymes, and then like just, and you know, we, we're not that fussed um, because the reason why we exist is because we're here to make much of Jesus. We're not to be entertained, um, and especially in our worship, you know, that's why we don't do the fog machines and the lights, like shooting lasers of crosses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Joel. Um, and man, that's, that's who we are. We're just, we, we're just normal, normal people. And sometimes a, a string on your guitar breaks. And uh, I love that that stuff, that we can handle it, you know? Um, we, when we worship, we're just, we're just here before the king. We're not here in front of like a show or anything. So yeah, well done guys for getting through that this morning. And well done team for leading us through that. You guys did a great job. Yeah. Um, so we, 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 uh, we just finished up the book of Matthew, and um, we're doing a little four-week sermon series on God and sex, and let me just, maybe you're kind of coming into the sermon series new or whatever it is. Why are we talking about sex in the church? Well, the reason why we're talking about sex is because our culture has so many different ideas uh, about what sex should be. Um, and the world is spinning at a crazy exponential pace of, of change and understanding and uh, identifi- identification and et cetera, et cetera. And the beautiful thing about God's word is it doesn't change. And, you know, we might be tempted to believe because it doesn't change, therefore it's no longer relevant to our current day and age. Well, the beautiful thing about God's word is although it doesn't change, it's alive, it's active. And relevant isn't even the word that is appropriate for it. It it is true yesterday, it'll be true today, and tomorrow it'll be true. And truth never changes. And so why are we doing a sermon series on God and sex is because we want to say, God, what what do you believe about sex? Uh, Jesus, what do you you teach about sex? And, and, And where, where the world has crept into my heart and in my thinking and whatever it is, will you, will you realign me back to the truth of your word? And uh, so my encouragement to you this morning is, uh, the reason why, one of the reasons why we're doing this is because the church doesn't do it enough and then we're left to what the world believes to kind of try to help us understand it, right? And so our purpose in going through this is so we, we realign back with the truth of God's word. And um, I do want to preface, we're going to be really practical today. We we are going to look at scripture, um, but what we're going to do is take some really practical points. And so um, today's a good day to take actual notes, right? It'll it'll help you um, if you're you're struggling in certain areas, it'll it'll help you. And so what we're going to do today is look at the the idea of sex as gift. Um, The first week we talked about Sex is either being God 
in the sense of we make it a God, we, we idolize sex, we, we live for the pleasure and sensation of the sexual lifestyle, and so we idolize sex. Or either we, we, go, we swing the pendulum the other way, and because either abuses happen, or we've either abused or been abused, all of us here have experienced some kind of sexual brokenness. What we do sometimes is we push the pendulum away from, oh, sex is God, and we, and we turn it to sex is gross. And then, you know, like what the church has been guilty of this, like, oh, we shouldn't talk about sex and sex is evil and sex should only be for the reproduction of children. So sometimes we land on either side, but the beautiful thing about scripture is it helps us understand that sex is not God, sex is not gross, but sex is a gift from God. And whether you are single this morning or whether you are married, uh, I want to help us understand both of those. Uh, if you're single or married, that sex is both a gift in both of those relationships, okay? So that's where we're going today. It's going to be real practical. I'm not going to like um, preach a sermon in the sense of like fire and brimstone. It's going to be like, here's some points and apply this to your life, all right? You guys with me this morning? Okay. So um, why don't we do this? Why don't we pray? Is that a good thing to do? And then let's ask God to just, let's allow the Holy Spirit to help us this morning, right? and to lead us into truth. Uh, so let's do that. Lord, we, uh, we come before you this morning as your children. We come before you as uh, a, a growing or wanting to grow or wanting to know more about you. And we just submit ourselves to your word this morning. We, we want to lay aside everything that we maybe hold dear to or the things that we've come to understand uh, that the world has taught us, and we want to let those things fall, and we want your word to be exalted this morning. And let that find the rightful place in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd help us to lower our pride and uh, diminish ourselves, but to exalt you and your word. And so, will you bring healing this morning? Will you bring correction? Will you bring alignment? Uh, will you bring your truth in, in, in the only way that you can, in a gentle and compassionate, loving way, because you love us as your children. Help us this morning, we pray. In your name, amen. All right, so I'm going to start off, we're just going to start off with talking to the singles this morning. Any singles in here this morning? Raise your hand. Uh, that, was, that was a little sad. Singles are like, <laughs> come on, be proud. Be proud to be single. It's all right. You can raise your hand. Um. And he, here's the question, right? Singleness and sex. The two of those don't really go together, right? They shouldn't in the church. Um, and so you may ask yourself, well, how in the world can a single person uh, look at sex as a gift? And this is what I want to help us this morning. I wish that uh, when I was single that I would have understood these things better. I wish that I would have had a, a gospel understanding of, of sex. So if you're single this morning, man, write some notes, okay? Fill up some pages. So number one, singles. How can you understand that sex is a gift? I'm going to give you some four points this morning, and this is point number one. I want you to understand, first of all, that singleness is not a curse. It's a gift. Being single is not a curse, it's a gift. And let me apologize on behalf of the church this morning. I think the church has idolized marriage. 
I think marriage is a beautiful thing. But what the church often does is that everything is about in a relationship is usually marketed toward a marriage relationship, right? And if you're single, you're probably going like, amen, preach it, brother. Finally, somebody's, you know, waiting my whole life to hear somebody say something like this. Um, so I just want to say the gospel can be revealed in a single life, not just a married life. You know, we often think of marriage as the, the picture of the gospel, two people coming together, the husband representing Christ and then the wife representing the church. And, you know, like Jesus loved his, his, his church. And so husbands love your wife, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we go, oh, what a beautiful picture of the gospel. And that is true. But there is the gospel, the picture of the gospel in singleness. I mean, it takes the gospel to remain pure and to remain holy and to meet single as a Christian. You need to apply the gospel to your life and to find your one true love, your one true sustenance in other than a relationship, but in the one true relationship is a picture of the gospel. And so my encouragement to you this morning, single people, if you are feeling down in the dumps, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling like, when will the day come when I meet that one person who's perfect for me? Don't view it that way. Look at singleness as a, as a gift rather than a curse. Now, here is some scripture to help you understand this. Uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he's talking specifically about those who are single and those who are married. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you have your app or if you don't, uh, you can uh, look here on the screens. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says this in verse 32. 35, I should probably get my Bible. It says this. Paul saying, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Now, Paul is not saying to be married is to be worldly in the sense of being sinful. Um, like, you know, if you're not married, you're, you're doing good things. If you are married, you're being sinful because you're being worldly. What he's saying is in the things of the world, like taking care of this worldly relationship, uh, that, that's what he's trying to encourage this person here, okay? Uh, and in the interest, sorry, in verse 33, but the married man is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, listen, if you are single, Rejoice in your singleness because you don't have to worry about being married. Some of the married people are going, yeah, that makes sense. We all, the married people are going, yeah, it's a gift. It's a blessing. But remember when you were single, you didn't have to think about how you were going to spend your money. You just spend it on however you wanted to spend it, right? When you got married, you didn't realize how selfish you were until you got married. Now, all of a sudden, you have to like think about another person. Oh my gosh, right? You have to think about like what kind of music this is for, what kind of food do they like, how do we want to spend my When I was single, I just wanted to spend my money on toys. When I got married, I couldn't do that anymore. And so what Paul is encouraging, he's saying, don't look at your singleness as a curse, as you're just, oh man, I wish. He's saying, Live life to the fullest because now you're totally free from having to, to do this together with someone. You're, you're totally free to do it wholly undivided, all right? So that's point number one. 
Don't look at your singleness as a curse, but look at it as a gift. But number two, marriage, I want to encourage you single people, is not the pinnacle of relational relationship. That, that doesn't make sense the way I said it, but you get what I'm saying. The, the pinnacle of relationship is not marriage. You are not a half kind of member in the church or citizen counting for God if you are not married. Once you get into marriagehood, you are not then like you've attained what it means to be a pure and awesome and a kick butt kind of a Christian. When you are single, that is still a gift. And do not try to look at marriage as a, well, when I get married, then I will be complete. You know, the thing about being single and, and it being a gift to you, I want to encourage you single people, don't bide your time. Don't bide your time. Don't say, okay, I'm going to like just kind of stay where I'm at and just wait for that one person to come along, then I'll start serving God wholeheartedly and passionately. Man, when you're single, go for it. Go for it. Go on mission trips. Get together with single people. Young adults, get together and hang out and talk about how good God is as being a single and encourage one another as single people. But I wanna encourage you single people too. Get around some married families. Find a married family that will adopt you and bring you into their home and teach you what it means to be married so that one day when you're getting ready to get married, you're seeing this example of a, a, a husband and wife. I mean, dive in to being single. Don't bide your time. Don't just wait around. Be free. Be free. It's okay. I'm not saying be free in the way of the world, okay? I'm not saying just go lose your mind. I'm saying, man, lose your mind for God. Go, I mean... Goes flat out, okay? Do it, just do it. Nike, just do it. <sighs> Couple things in this. Marriage is not the pinnacle of relational life. I wanna encourage you, a sexual marriage relationship will not end your loneliness nor fulfill you. A sexual marriage relationship will not fix your lust problem. Man, I remember being a young man before I was married, thinking the moment I get married, I'm never gonna lust again after another woman. Cause like, I'll be able to have all the free sex I want, right? And all of my, des all of my sexual desires will be totally fulfilled in, in my wife. And it it'll just like, I, I will never deal with lust again. Well, let me tell you something, that's not true. I, like all of a sudden now it's like more heightened, I'm aware of like sex. I'm like aware of the things that could possibly happen. And if you are looking to marriage to fix your problem, if you have a lust issue or are hoping that this will rescue, it will not rescue you. The only thing that sets you free from the loneliness, the waiting for that companionship, that maybe there's a lust issue, the only thing is a relationship with Jesus first and foremost. And as a single person, please go into a marriage with a strong relationship with Jesus, having fulfilled that first, so that your spouse is not trying to help you undo that in your marriage. You don't wanna bring that idol into your marriage, okay? All right, you guys okay? All right. Number three for you single folks, uh, until God leads you into marriage, you are to live life to the fullest 
in your singleness. We already talked about this, but don't bide your time. Live passionately on mission. And then forsake time. Number four, I want to say this loud and clear. Protect your sex gift. What in the world does that mean? That sounds a little weird and icky, okay? No. Here's my encouragement. Protect your sex gift. One, for yourself. How do you do this? Apply the gospel to your desires. Now, what do I mean by that? If you're single and you're, you're, you're like, man, what do I do with this? I'm wrestling with, with my sexual desires. How do I apply the gospel? What does that mean? Apply the gospel to my singleness. Well, here's the beauty of the gospel. We know that the gospel is the fact that God created man in his image. God is the creator. He's holy and he created us. Therefore, we reflect who God is. But... Man sinned. We fell. Adam and Eve ate the fruit, right, in the garden and messed it up for all of us. And now all of us here are born with iniquity. We're all born as sinners. But Jesus came to rescue us from that sin. And he also gives us a future hope. And the culmination of the ages, would he will return and we will be in a glorified body living in eternity forever and ever. And that's the gospel. God, man, Jesus for every eternity, okay? Now, how do you apply the gospel to your sinful desires as a single person in this? What you say is, well, one, God created me in the image of God. I am a single person. I have worth. I have value. I apply that to my life. Thank you, Jesus, for my singleness. Thank you that it's a gift. Thank you that I can live in this and I'm going to live to the fullest. But I realize that I have desires in me that need to be fulfilled, but sometimes I want to put them toward other things. Lord, let me remember the truth that I am a sinner and I need to apply the gospel to that. But Jesus, let me also understand that I don't need to look anywhere else for the help of my sin. I look to you first and foremost, Jesus. Will you come and fulfill me? Will you come and turn my eyes from the idols of this world that I want so long elite, my flesh wants to give into? Will you remind me of the truth that Jesus, you are my only hope? And in the midst of my struggle, in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of times where this is really hard and difficult, will you again, Jesus, I submit myself to the truth that you are coming back and my future hope and my future glory will be with you for eternity. And that gives me hope in the here and now. And so I therefore don't need to give in to these idols of the world that my flesh so desires. And I apply the gospel to my heart. You know, we're we're not saved from keeping rules. As Christians, we understand that about the gospel. It's not about doing a bunch of this and don't do that. But yet at the same time, we don't just cast out these rules. And for singleness, I would say Martin Luther said something like this. He goes, you can't help a bird flying over your head, but you sure can stop it from building a nest in your hair. And so that, what he's saying is, man, there are desires that come and it's not wrong to have temptations but don't allow those temptations to rest and identify you, walk around with those. And so you apply the gospel to your heart. So not only for yourselves, protect your gift for yourselves, but be for your future spouse. Now think about if you could, if your sexuality, the gift of sex as a single person, and you know that possibly God's gonna bring you a spouse and however long or however short or whenever that is, what kind of gift of sexuality are you going to hand over to your spouse? Think about like an inheritance. Um, you know, if my dad said, Kelly, I have a million dollars for you. 
And uh, when I pass away, this million, million dollars is yours. It's this beautiful gift. And he's like, I have all these properties and estates. And, you know, I have these collector cards. I don't know, whatever your thought of an inheritance is. And he gets down to, my dad's about to pass away. And he says, sorry, Kelly, I actually squandered most of your inheritance. I spent it on myself and I, I gave it over to this and to that and that car that I know you, you really were looking forward to. I actually uh, lost it playing poker, etc. You know, and I actually have $5 to give to you. And I think sometimes singles, we might be guilty of not understanding the gift that God has given us in our sexuality, understanding that's not just for ourselves, but it's for a future spouse. Understanding that that gift that you're going to give away, we should cherish it and protect it and keep it safe. Now, I know this feels a little heavy because the reality is, if you're single or even if you're married, we've all tarnished our gift of sexuality in some way. None of us are perfect in here. And here's the beautiful thing, friends, about the gospel. If you find yourself in a place where you're feeling guilty or you've tarnished it and you've ruined it, God can redeem it. God can redeem that. If you've given away your virginity before marriage, God can come and redeem you and make you whole. He can can set you right. He can remove the shame or the guilt that you may feel. And he can repair any kind of relationship with your future spouse. He can do that. He's so beautiful. So don't don't take these things and say, oh man, I've I've messed up. And Kelly, you're talking about guarding this gift of sexuality. I've, I've already messed. No, the beautiful thing is, God can redeem. God can restore. God can make it right. Okay? All right? Okay. Singles, protect your gift. Now, married folks. Married folks this morning. I just want to talk about sex as gift, and we're going to talk about just a couple of the practical things of how it is a gift in marriage. Um, number, Number one, I'm going to just say this, that sex is for making babies. All right? Yep, amen. Okay, we all agree. Good, good job, guys. Look, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It says this. And God blessed them, speaking of Adam and Eve and mankind, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here God is saying, I've created sex, I've created mankind, I've created man and woman, I've created you male and female, and now what I'm calling you to do is go be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. So God is saying, go have some mandatory fun time. All right? Go and fill the earth, but not just fill the earth. Go and fill the earth with the beauty of my image. Go and multiply the image of who I am into the earth. Go and, as you have babies, teach them what it means to be a child of God and to, and to then, therefore, teach their child and teach them the worth that they have and the value of them and fill the earth with the splendor and the glory of who I am because I've poured my image into you. And when you have a baby, that's my image is in them. And so fill the earth with my image. Okay. So we look at sex and we go, yeah, it's for procreation. Uh, it's for continuing of the, the image of God into the earth. He, I, you know, I was thinking about this this week and here's a beautiful thing about procreation in, in the conception of humankind. When, when a child is conceived, it is in usually the most intimate relationship 
that we have as human beings. And I just love that in that intimacy, people are created. But not only from a human standpoint, but that God in an intimate unity with the Trinity creates mankind. And it's not just this animalistic, uh, what do you call it, instinct to continue the human race that God calls us to fill the earth. He does it and says, do it out of a place of a beautiful intimacy in your marriage. It's not this sterile, just exercise. It has a beautiful, beautiful intimacy. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Isn't that like wonderful that God called us to do this, but in an intimate place? I love that about the truth. So, Number one, not only is sex for procreation and making babies, but two, sex is for so much more than just making babies. And all the married people in here are like, amen, all right? It's all right to be okay about this, guys. It's all right to, like, be excited about it, okay? All right, come on. This is what the Bible says. Genesis 2, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife, look at this, were both naked and were not ashamed. That's a good thing. That's, that's right. Come on, brother. Preach it. Tell the truth, pastor. Mm-hmm. It also says this in Hebrews 13, chapter, verse 4, it says, let marriage be held in honor. Among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexual immoral and adulterous. So, the writer of Hebrews here is encouraging, he's saying the, the marriage bed is a sacred place. The marriage bed should be undefiled. Don't, don't let the world creep into your marriage. And what does this mean that it's undefiled and it's sacred? Man, there's some good stuff that can happen in the marriage bed if we keep it undefiled and sacred before the Lord. So, let's unpackage that. This morning, so so sex is so for so much more than just making babies. So what what are those things that sex is for? If it's not just to procreate, not just to fill the earth, well, here we go. You guys ready? Okay, listen, you can't be prudish this morning. All right, it's it's okay to enjoy the idea of sex. All right, so you can have a smile on your face. You married married people, only married people. All right. Before I get here, too, I, I want to encourage you. If, if some of these things are hard for you to hear, like some of the practical stuff, please don't sit in guilt and condemnation thinking, man, I'm, this is not true of my marriage. Um, I want to encourage you this morning. We're not here to judge. We're just speaking truth. And I've heard it said that the answer for misuse is not non-use. It's proper use. And that's what we're wanting to do here this morning. The answer for misuse is not non-use. It's proper use. And so we're wanting to understand proper use in the bedroom, okay? So if sex is so much more than just procreation, what is it for? Well, number one, or A, it's for fun and pleasure. Yeah, I said that, all right? It's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy sex. You should enjoy sex. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says this, Now the Spirit expressly says, that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons 
through the insincerity of liars whose consciousness are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. What is Paul writing to Timothy here? He's saying there will come a day, and I think we're living here to, right now, where the church and what is preached will, will kind of preach this message of this is false, you want to hear the things you want to hear, and he says, even mentions the thing about marriage about how it shouldn't be enjoyed and enjoying food, et cetera, et cetera. He calls this a doctrine of demons. That's intense. But I think God is so committed to marriage and he's so committed to the right view of sex that he encourages and says, even in sex, if someone in the church tells you it's not a good thing, it's not a gift, it's, it's either gross and you should abstain from it, that's a doctrine of the devil. Why? because they want to get us to start believing some untruth. Uh, let me read this from Tim, Tim Keller, this, this book, if you're, if you're married and you haven't read it. Man, this is like one of the best books that you can get on marriage. Uh, I highly, highly recommend this, okay? Uh, but he says this, uh, where am I? Ver, page 221. Now, this, is a little, this is a little there, okay? So... Just hang in here. The Bible contains great love poetry that celebrates sexual passion and pleasure. God not only allows sex within marriage, but strongly commands it. 1 Corinthians 7. In the book of Proverbs, husbands are encouraged to let their wives' breasts fill them with delight and be intoxicated by their sexual love. Proverbs talks about that. The book of Song of Solomon does much... Uh, barefaced rejoicing in the delights of sexual love in marriage, Old Testament scholar Templar Longman writes, and this is what he says, the role, the role of woman throughout the Song of Solomon is truly astounding, especially in light of its ancient origins. It is the woman, not the man, who is the dominant voice throughout the poems that make up the song. She is the one who seeks pleasure and initiates. In Song of Songs 5, 10 through 16, she boldly exclaims, her physical attraction, and this is what it says, his abdomen is like a polished ivory tusk decorated with sapphires. Okay? Most English translations hesitate in this verse. The Hebrew is quite erotic, and most translators cannot bring themselves to bring out the obvious meaning. This is a prelude to their lovemaking. There is no shy, shamed, mechanical movement under the sheets. Rather, the two stand before each other aroused, feeling no shame, but only joy in each other's sexuality. The Bible is a very uncomfortable book for the prudish. You guys okay? <laughs> if you don't believe that sex should be enjoyed in marriage, just read through the book of Song of Solomon. And, you know, a lot of theologians will try to argue, well, that's a picture of Christ in the church. I think in a general sense, you can get that. And yes, there can be an overall understanding of a relationship of love and with us and God in the church and church to Jesus. But it's a, it's a great instructional book for, for us married people, how we should relate to each other in the bedroom. It's, it's really helpful. So sex is so much more than just procreation. Sex is for fun and pleasure, but... Let me say this to that point. Sex is for mutual pleasure. 1 Corinthians 
7.3 says, The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. What does that mean? It means our bodies, when we are married, don't exist for ourselves. And it's usually it's the, it's the guy, stereotypically. It does not always, but it's like the guy who thinks, man, I'm amazing in bed. I was so good at that, right? And the wife's like, okay, is that it? <laughs> hey, we're just being real. And my encouragement to you, if you are married, sex is not just for one of the spouses to enjoy. Sex is for both spouses to enjoy. Both fulfilled. Both climaxing. And so if, if you as a husband are just thinking you're this amazing man and you never had a conversation or vice versa, et cetera, whatever, I'm not saying it has to be that way, it can be, man, understand that your body does not exist for yourself. Your body in a sexual relationship, in a married, sexual, healthy relationship exists for the other person's benefit. Even if you do not reciprocate what you were hoping to reciprocate. We give of ourselves without any kind of expectation. Man, imagine, a be- imagine a marriage where both the husband and the wife are both giving them th- themselves 100% without any fear. If, if I give, I won't return, so therefore I'm going to hold, withhold a little bit of myself. Imagine a marriage that's not like that, where both are fully giving 100% of themselves to them, each other. That's a beautiful marriage. That's a healthy sex life. So sex is is for fun and pleasure. Sex is for mutual pleasure. And then sex is for oneness. Something Tim Keller says in his book is, he says a beautiful thing about the, the sexual act in marriage is that it reaffirms our marriage day, our our commitment to one another. Every time that a husband and wife come together physically, it is a reassurance, it is a, it's, it's the husband saying, I give myself to you completely, and the wife saying, I give myself to you completely. And remember what, Marianne and I have been married 21 years, remember what we said in front of all our friends and family and in front of God 21 years ago, we stood in front of each other and we said, I will give myself to you no matter what, and you said you would give yourself to me no matter what. Remember when we did that? Well, the beautiful thing is when we come together physically, it's a, it's a restatement of that day that we did 21 years ago. It's saying, again, I will give myself to you wholly and completely, hold, withhold nothing back from you, and you will do the same. And remember 21 years ago when it felt all new and scary and sweaty-palmed and like, standing there? Well, we're going to do that again. We're going to do it again. And we're going to do it again and again and again and again. Okay, sorry. That, was, that wasn't very funny. You guys didn't get that joke. Um, but we're going to commit to each other over and over. And every time that we, com- we do this, we're saying to one another, I'm committed to you. There's no one else who finds, you, finds a place in my heart. It's only you. It's only when I said yes to you, I said yes and it's forever. And I'm going to continue to show you that over and over. And if there's any doubt, let's come back together. If there's any doubt about this, let's, let's, let's consummate again our marriage and remind ourselves that we have been set apart for each other. I, I, I know that there may be some marriages in here that this may be not a healthy thing in your life. And uh, maybe one partner's willing, one partner's not. I understand that. Uh, but through God's grace and through prayer and, and counsel, whatever it is, 
uh, we want to walk with you if that's a, if that's a thing. Don't, don't feel ashamed. Don't feel guilty. God can bring freedom in this area. Sex is for oneness. Sex is for unity in your marriage. All right. Last point here. Sex is for protection. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says, Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What is, what is Paul talking about here? What, and how does this have to do with sex being a protection? Like that sounds the antithesis of what sex would be. Sometimes we think, oh, we need sexual protection or we need to protect ourselves from sex. Well, in the marriage, in the marriage bed, the act of sex actually protects your marriage. And here's why. Husbands, do not let your wife find satisfaction in any other man besides you. Wives, do not let your husband find satisfaction in any other woman besides you. And the encouragement to us as married people within this point is wrapped up all the truth of don't use sex as a a weapon. Well, who left the milk out? Okay, no sex for you tonight, right? Or who did this or who did that or et cetera, et cetera. Or I feel feel hurt by you, so I'm not going to give you all of who I am. And when we do that, what we do is we open the door to temptation and we allow the lies of the enemy to put a wedge between us and our spouse. And what ends up happening is we push each other further and further away. And if we use sex or we withhold sex from one another, what could end up happening is a spouse will look elsewhere for that satisfaction. I'm not making this as an excuse at all. Zero, that is not what I'm saying. But what we don't want to do is give any room, any room to the plans and the schemes of the enemy to use temptation and to come in and bring destruction. And when, again, when we consummate our marriage, when we engage in sex with our spouse, we're protecting, we're protecting. I don't want my wife looking any other way for any kind of fulfillment. And she doesn't, she doesn't want some hussy coming up to me and going, ooh, you look so nice. And I'm like, mm, it's been a while since my wife's withholding sex from me. And thoughts of temptation start to go through my mind. When Marianne and I are unified sexually, when, we are, when we're having sex, I, my sexual desire is fulfilled in her and the temptation is not available to me. Now, here's the question. How often, Right? I know that's all what you guys are all thinking right now. How often should a married couple have sex? And I say yes and uh uh-huh, okay? And what I mean by that is I always say two things. It should be regular and it should be consistent, whatever that means for you in your marriage. Regular and consistent. If you're you're a couple, maybe you're young, you just got married, well, regular and consistent is going to mean something different to... People have been married 30, 40 years, right? Or maybe it's the other way around. Hey, I don't know. But as long as it's regular and consistent, don't withhold sex from each other. Protect your marriage. Protect your thoughts. Protect the temptations. Man, single people, I'd be like writing this stuff down. This means that you're physically ready for each other. Now, I'm going to give us 
nine super practical things for married people, all right? I'm just gonna admit, this, the, this is not the Bible. I think they're biblical. I think they're helpful. But if, if you don't like one of these things, that's okay, all right? All right? I'm not saying that the word of God says this. I just found that these are helpful. If they're helpful for you, so be it, okay? So in marriage, some practical things. Number one, don't let yourself go physically. What do I mean by that? Like, be, is, to the best of your ability, attractive for your spouse. Uh, guys, shower, okay? Your wife will be way more attracted to you if you haven't just come from the gym and your pits smell and you're just like, hey, baby, you know, she's going to be, I mean, maybe your life, wife likes that. I don't know, whatever. But groom yourselves for each other. Think about how your body is a gift for the other person and think of the other person, okay? Now, maybe you're saying, no, that don't work for me. I don't know how that don't work for you, but whatever. But I just say, now, and again, this is not an excuse. For some of you, you might say, well, yeah, my spouse never takes care of themselves, so I don't need to have sex with them. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to your best ability, worry about yourself, take care of yourself to please your spouse. Diet, exercise, I mean, obviously, I'm not as good as that as Marianne is, right? But do your best. Shower, groom yourself. Number two, show genuine effort and interest. Show genuine effort and interest in your spouse. Um, if, if one spouse starts making advances, don't shun them. And remember, your body is not your own. And, sh- and, and don't let it be a duty, right? Okay, I have to have sex because Kelly said we have to have sex. Woo, that's romance, man, right? That is, that's terrible. You don't want robot sex and, you know, like, man, that's not what I meant, sorry. Um, man, show genuine interest in each other. There's so many things that this could just, if you're not careful, could just, ugh. yeah, it is a minefield, that's right. All right, number three. You guys hanging in the room, almost done. Both initiate and don't reject each other's advance. Both initiate. In your marriage, don't let it always just be the guy or just the girl who's like saying, you know, hey, how you doing? Looking kind of good over there, right? Man, if you're both initiating, that's awesome. I, here's my motto in this area. Be like Little Caesar's Pizza. You know what their motto is? Hot and ready, okay? You're welcome. Number four, this is probably speaking to the the husbands more, but romance each other. You know what, Marianne and I will joke about this now because we've been married 21 years, but my my idea of foreplay, a pillow talk was, you want to do it? And I kind of got all offended if Marianne wasn't like, ooh, yeah. Like, that just did it for me, right? <laughs> I have learned over 21 years that if I woo my wife, if I get, you know, buy her a gift, take her to a movie that she likes, and I spend time on for some reason, it magically turns into a, a better bedroom experience, right? Now, I'm not saying do those things for each other but be, to get that, but what I'm saying is, man, romance each other. 
Romance, there should be, and one of you might be more romantic than the other, that's fine. Usually it's the wife wants to be romantic, sometimes it's guys, whatever, I don't care. But romance, put some effort into it, okay? Uh, and then number five, it's okay to be creative. That's, that's all right. The Bible gives us a ton of things, a lot of foul poles. And if you have questions on like, can we do this? Can we not do this? I can help you with scripture. That'll help you. But the, it's okay to be creative. It's okay to have fun. Again, remember, sex is not just for procreation. It's for fun and pleasure, okay? And then number six, be intentional about your sexual relationship with your spouse. Uh, in this crazy busy world, if you're just kind of waiting for that perfect moment, sometimes it just gets, it flees away from you. And if you're not being intentional about spending time and doing these things, then it can become an obstacle. So be intentional. I, there was a guy who was probably in his seventies when I was maybe 20 years ago who encouraged, he was one of the like best guys I ever heard talk about sex. And he was, he was an older guy. And he would say this, lunchtime, he had this South African accent. Lunchtime is pajama time. And I was like, what? And he's just saying, man, sometimes you just got to see each other at lunch and connect at lunch. Be intentional. It's okay, all right? Uh, number seven, don't share your bed with pets and children. <laughs> Listen, if, 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 if you're trying to have a healthy sex life and your kids are in the bed with you, that, that's not going to happen. Um, I mean, we don't live in teepees where the whole family lives in one little area anymore, you know? We have separate bedrooms in our house. And uh, just don't make that a habit. Listen, if your, your kid gets a nightmare and you need to come into your room and it's that one-off kind of moment, I get it. But if you are allowing your kids to come in and sleep in your room habitually, you are setting a culture, not only for your sexual marriage, but you're teaching your kids when they grow up, this is the norm to have the kids in the bedroom. This is what a sex life looks like for your, for your kids. Don't teach them that stuff. And pets too. I don't, I don't even know what, how that works, but anyways. Okay, number eight. Almost done, guys. A regular culture of going to bed at the same time. Um, I've noticed that in this culture, the uh, individualism has slipped into our marriages. Now, I'm not saying there's not exceptions to this. Maybe one of you has a work project that is like, man, I just have to work on this late, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. I totally understand that. But fight for a culture of, of deferring to one another. And if your wife is, is like saying, hey, babe, can we go to bed? You're not like, oh, I want to hang out and watch two more movies, you know. That will ruin your sex life or vice versa. Defer to one another. And maybe, maybe your time is not night. Maybe it's the morning. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But defer to one another. And, and a lot of people, it's bedtime. So go to bed at the same time. It's not just sexual intimacy. There's just intimacy to be had in sleeping together, Okay. And then this is the last one. This kind of helps out with being intentional, but is go to bed before you're too darn tired. Uh, Marianne and I have been guilty of this. Like we're like, you know, you're done. You're, it's been a long day and all you want to do is veg out in front of the TV. And then before you know it, you've watched seven episodes of Stranger Things on Netflix and you've got to get to the next one. 
I don't know, whatever it is. And then you go to bed and then like one of you's all excited and the other one's like, are you joking? Like it's three in the morning. Um, go to bed before you're too tired to put any effort into the sex, okay? All right. Sorry, I went a little long. Today is super practical. Listen, I get it. Some of this stuff is, is funky to talk about in church. But if we're not talking about it in church, if we're not doing the hard yards here, what we do is we hear Instagram, Facebook, all the celebrities, our friends, the world, all this junk comes and floods in. And we're not taking scripture. Man, what we want is a, is a church that has a healthy sexual culture where singles say, I am reserving myself for my marriage and, and I'm okay to be single and I view it as a gift. And where married people are saying, I, we love sex and sex is amazing and we're like professional sex in our, in our marriage. We're so good at it. Man, I hope that's happening in every single marriage. I know it's not true, but that's where we want to go. That's where we want to, and we, we want to pray for you this morning if that's not true, if you're struggling. We, we, want to, we want to encourage you. We want to walk alongside you, and we'll do the hard yards. We'll, we'll spend time with you. We'll, we'll spend time with, if it's counseling, if it's prayer, if it's regular meeting, if it's, you're struggling with a sexual sin, it doesn't matter. We all have sexual brokenness. None of us are better than anybody else, and the reason why this church exists is to glorify Jesus, to make much of him, and that includes our sexuality, and so we want to help you if you need help. We're there for each other. Okay, will you stand with me this morning?